Well, it's so good to see each and every single one of you. And uh, this morning, we're going to do something uh, a bit different. We're not going to share the screen with you uh, due to some technical issues. Uh, and uh, so, but you're uh, welcome to open your Bible wherever you have it, if it's on your your phone <clears throat> right here on the computer or on your iPad, wherever you have it, or a physical imprint Bible, if you have one of those, and turn to Romans chapter 16. <clears throat> and we're going to look at that and we're going to finish the series next week. So even though we're in the last chapter today, next week I'm going to do a review of the entire book. So I'm going to just kind of course right through it. It's not going to be a three-hour sermon, I promise. We're going to course right through it and get, give you, remind you of some of the things we talked about early on um, and give you a sense of the overall of what Romans is about. And I think that that could be very helpful given that there's all, all kinds of directions we took as we moved from chapter one all the way here to chapter 16. And one of the things that I think is so valuable is for us to leave with a sense of what the particular book that we're looking at um, is about in, in, you know, sort of the macro and then applying it, of course, personally to us more in the micro. So we're definitely going to have different takes on it, but we want to sort of get also a, a sense of what is Paul, what are, you know, what is Paul trying to communicate through the book of Rome, uh, through the book of Romans to the Roman church. Um, so uh, what I'd like to, what I tile this morning's talk is uh, uh, the, what the, the, the Beatles, uh, Paul, they, what, hold on a second, let me get this right. The Beatles, the Italians, and Paul were right. The Beatles, Italians, and Paul were right. And uh, what's great about this is that it spells BIP. And so they were right about a whole lot of issues related to division and uh, the problem with our divisiveness that we have today. And so uh, if someone is being divisive, you can uh, bip them. You can, you know, just go ahead and bip somebody this morning. Uh, maybe someone you're sitting next to. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you're totally allowed to. You can bip anybody at any time because like I said, the Beatles, the Italians and Paul we're right about this issue of division. Um, the Beatles, all you need is love, right? The Italians, what are they known for? Family. You know, everything's about family. And then Paul, what does Paul do? He includes and increases family significantly. That's his contribution to the, to the Christian faith is that he expanded that, he massively so. And how he does this is to say, hey, look, we are going in a direction where family now includes a whole lot more people, and this is the solution to a lot of the division that takes place. I, I would suggest that Romans, it's not the main theme or the, the single address uh, that uh, Paul is making to the Church of Rome, uh, but it is a significant piece that... Um, that this idea of what is happening between the Jews and the Gentiles, that's a consistent theme throughout Romans. And when Paul gets to chapter 14, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, what is Paul addressing there? 
a moral issue. It was one that threatened to divide the church. They were divided right down the middle, Jews and, and, and Gentiles. And it was, the arguments were made on moral basis and on authority, the authority of scripture, the authority of God. You know, this is what scripture has taught us. We could, we, we are not supposed to eat meat that's offered to idols. Um, and the uh, Gentiles are doing that, right? And so there's this argument that's happening and it's based on morality. Um, so people sometimes look at that, the division that is happening, you know, where the, in chapter 14, where, oh, it's about food. Ah, insignificant. It's just a, a small matter. Well, to us it is. <laughs> it wasn't to them. To them, this was a significant issue. Significant, like, like serious. And they felt this would threat, this would divide the church. And, and, um, and that was a big concern. Uh, for the Apostle Paul and, of course, for the Jews and the Gentiles who are fighting it out. And so uh, this is where um, Paul takes his, uh, as we talked about in chapter 14, where Paul says, look, here's, a, here's the, the bottom line to all this. Uh, and that is that you have to learn not to disdain or look down on others, and nor to judge them. Right? So contempt, judgment, those are all things that are happening right now today. So whatever divisions were happening then, they're happening again today. Why? Because we're people. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. And we think we're right. Uh, so it's, uh, it's good to just look at scripture and say, hey, this has already been done. They've already done this. And they kind of learned some things. I wonder if those things could be applicable to today and what's happening in our world. Right, so we offer that as a suggestion. Is it possible that whatever was happening between the Jews and the Gentiles is happening right now in our country between conservatives and liberals? Because as we know, everything is being broken down into those two camps. Right? I mean, it's, it's down to the pandemic. It's just, it's remarkable. It's like, let's just put everything into two categories because it's the only way we can think as humans is in binaries, you know, polar opposites. So let's just put them in those two containers. Um, we've stopped thinking about it as like, hey, this is a problem. Should we fix it? Wouldn't that be a good idea to just fix the problem? We stopped looking at it that way and we've just said, no, we need to have blame and we need to judge and we need to be right. Yeah. So this is, this is what we're, this is us, right? We're, we're part of that and we struggle with that. Uh, and so we need to sometimes bip each other a little bit and uh, to get back to this idea that Paul, what he communicates here is uh, the commandment in chapter 15, which we're going to look at in a moment, which is his commandment on how to deal with this. And it is so darn simple, but I want to illustrate it in a way that enters the back door of your heart perhaps rather than the front door because the front door for most of us it's pretty well guarded how many of you have a pretty well guarded front door to your apartment to your house it's got locks it may have a couple uh it may you 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 may be one of those that you really you really watch out for that sort of thing um and we do so with our own sort of hearts as well and so uh paul finishes chapter 16 
And it's a chapter I have never preached on because who would ever preach on a chapter that is about send greetings to so-and-so and a list that is rather lengthy, like a shopping list of here, make sure you say hi to this person, that person. And, and besides that, the names are rather difficult to pronounce. They're you know, all these ancient Greek names and um, some Jewish names and some Latin names, you know, um, some of the easy ones like Priscilla and Aquila, right? But then you get to like Eponidas and Andronicus and you get to Ampliatus and, you know, uh, it's Tryphena and Tryphosa. Uh, so when you get there, people just sort of like blank out on you. So no pastor's ever going to preach on Romans 16, but I will. All right, so here's what we're going to look at. We're going to start with verse one. And we're going to read through the most boring passage here in Romans. Um, so let's begin. Romans chapter 16, verse one. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her help, any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my friend, my dear friend, Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked hard for you. Uh, greet Andron Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and were in Christ before I was. All right, so, so, so this is really boring. Uh, let's back up and just say, so far we're looking at some Greek names. And then you have Mary, greet Mary, undoubtedly a Jewish woman. And then clearly... Uh, these two, um, Andronicus and Junia, are probably converts to Judaism, um, but, uh, but here they're uh, at least converts to Jews, to Judaism. And then he goes on, uh, and, but did you notice, by the way, the gender of a couple of these? Uh, these are people that he's speaking to. Um, some of them are women, and some of them here he is calling apostles. So, for example, Junia is a woman. And she is considered outstanding among the apostles, right? So she is an exceptional leader, an exceptional apostle in the church of Rome. Uh, Greek Ampliatus, uh, my dear friend of the Lord, Greek Urbanus, the co-worker in Christ. My dear friend uh, Stachys, my uh, Greek Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greek those who belong to the household of Aristobulus, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Okay, so he's distinctly naming the Jews here because this is predominantly a, 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 a Greek um, church, uh, more Greeks than Jews. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greek, Ru greet Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother, now check this out, who has been a mother to me too. Greek, Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nurus, and his sister Olympus, and all of the Lord's people who are with them. Finally, he finishes, thank goodness, greet one another with a holy bip, uh, I'm sorry, a holy kiss. 
All the churches of Christ send greetings. Um, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. I want you to remember this because we're going to come back to this. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. He has just listed this church that is both male and female-led and has Jews and Gentiles and Romans. There are Latin names in this list. Um, and he says, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. So you have both this inclusivity and exclusivity, you know, excluding those who are excluding others. <laughs> For such people are not serving the Lord, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone who has heard about your obedience, uh, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Uh, let's skip this next section and just end up with a, with his final um, sort of benediction um, to the church. Now, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. And then he drops a bunch of prepositional phrases in between. The message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, not works, right? Now he gets back to what he was saying. To the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And we say with that, amen, to the only wise God. There's something really deeply settling in benedictions. There's something very profound in closing out with this. And the benediction is even tailored around the whole theme of what he's been saying throughout the book of Rome, of Romans rather, to the church of Rome. Um, <clears throat> so who are these people? As we started off by saying, they are Roman, they are Greek, they're Jew, male, female, they're rich, they're poor. And what is Paul doing? Paul is doing what we've all done. You've called somebody and you've said, hey, uh, long time no talk. Uh, we haven't seen each other in forever. It's a good friend. You have this long conversation with this friend on the phone. Before you hang up, what do many of you say? Make sure to say hi to people that they're in contact with. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that in text? Have you ever done that? In email, say hi to so-and-so, say hi to this person, that person, right? But what happens if your friend who you admire and love and you've had this great conversation with says to you, make sure you greet to this individual with whom you have significant disagreements? Has that ever happened? It'd be hard to recall. I can't recall of something like that happening. I'm sure it has. But that's what's happening here. As Paul is saying, greet these people. He has just finished chapter 14. Don't for one moment forget that. Like, oh, we're here and now we're just sort of saying, hello, everyone. Say hi to everybody. And everybody's so happy to say hi to each other. And they're all just 
No, 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 no. He's just dealt with chapter 14, which is a significant division in the church. And now he says, I want you to greet these people. I want you to say hi to them. I want you to extend my deepest affection for them. By proxy, you are going to love them. <laughs> a little bit of pressure coming from the Apostle Paul here, but the right kind of pressure. You are going to love these people. And so now the pressure's on. Oh, crap. Andronicus. I had a fight with Andronicus. I even hate his name. And he's one of those that just is like all into this eating meat crap. And he thinks that he's right. and He's arrogant. And I, I can't stand him. Ah, Paul, you suck. I can't stand you. Okay, fine. I'm going to go talk. And then he goes and, and he does this. Now, can you imagine this individual going to Andronicus and saying, so Paul says hi and then beats it, you know, like he, he, certainly that could be done, right? But on the other hand, it can also call to something deeper within you, which is what's within all of these people already, which is Jesus the Christ, who is present, the Holy Spirit who is present within their being. And you can call out of yourself either darkness or light. You have that power. And you know it because at times when the pressure's been on you to love and you've reached into the deep places where love resides, not where you feel it, but deeper. And you reach down in and you call that up and you say, Andronicus, uh, I don't want to look at you, but uh, Paul says hi. He misses you and uh, he loves you. And suddenly you feel that warmth rising up within your own heart and you're fighting it because it's there and it's always been there and you know it to be true. And whatever these divisions between you and the other person were, it's not that they're gone, but what happens to them? They're up here and now they start to go down here and love and affection start to rise above that. And once again, now love and affection for one another is higher and in greater priority than the disagreements that were there before. This is the brilliance behind Romans 16. Don't for one moment think that Paul is just being like, well, after this very lengthy theological treatise I've spent my time working on, which is really difficult on parchment, you modern folks who have no idea what that's like, I have just finished writing this, and now I'm going to spend an entire chapter on greeting people whose names are hard to pronounce and spell, and I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do this, because that matters just as much as anything else I said in Romans chapter 1 through 15. Just as much. To greet people with love and to extend and to call up the love of Christ within you to express to people is just as important, if not more important to my mind, more important than anything else that has been said. Why is it more important? Because everything else that he has said hangs on this big central message and theme. And that is that through Jesus Christ, you are my brother and you are my sister, regardless of how you see life and how you see politics and how you see everything else that's happening in our world. 
And that is what Paul insists on. He is a fighter for love. He is a warrior for love. And he will battle all divisions. In fact, to the degree that he says, the people that you're to kick out are the people that are kicking out everybody else. That's who you're to kick out. That's how strong he is about this. Because this message of the two becoming one in Christ is the ultimate message that emerges from the cross itself, where the body of Jesus Christ is broken thematically, right? The message is his body is broken. And out of his brokenness, the two that which was separated at one point becomes one. All things are remembered together, are brought back together in Christ Jesus. So this is the message, the strong message of the Apostle Paul. And that, my brothers and sisters, that's what we ought to become real warriors of. We can be warriors of a lot of things. Warriors for, the, for, for what we see as justice in this world, and we should be. Warriors for why we think that certain Uh, policies should be changed. Absolutely. But you know what? Your number one purpose and drive should be because every last one of you matters to me more than anything else. It is the love of Jesus Christ that you have to call up within you. And sometimes it is way deep and other things are way up here. And sometimes you have to reverse that and push that down and bring the love of Christ back up. And so we greet We insist on greeting each other. We insist on saying, hello, how are you? Is that just perfunctory? Is that just sort of like, oh, quick, let's get to the, let's get to the real meat of things and let's get, no, 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 no. This is the way we see each other. We treat each other as people. You're not just an idea. You're not just an idea walking around. You're not just some some position walking around, some political uh, position walking around. You are my brother, my sister. You are me and I am you. So Paul is addressing these people in terms that are different than perhaps what others would have addressed them, how others would have addressed them. Notice he says, greet my dear friend, so-and-so. Greet Rufus and his mother who has become a mother to me. Imagine if we started seeing each other as that family, brothers, sisters, Mothers, fathers, started treating people that way. What would change in our politics? What would change in the church of Jesus Christ? Paul doesn't skip past, and this is important to note. Paul does not skip past the differences. Paul's not one of these that says, ah, I don't, I, I, color doesn't matter. Color of skin doesn't matter. Uh, uh, politics doesn't matter. Uh, this doesn't matter. No, no, no. Because when we do that, we sometimes dismiss the person and dismiss who they are because those things do make up a part of who you are. And you have all have felt that when you've been in groups where, uh, you know, perhaps you're the color of your skin or perhaps your political view or perhaps your personality itself or perhaps your 
uh, your, your level, the way you express yourself isn't really accepted within that group. We have all experienced what it is like where you have to adapt and shift and change a part of you because you know it is not accepted by others. It is not safe to be who you are. You know what that is like. And Paul is not skipping past that which makes us who we are, including things that divide us. That's why Paul says, greet this Jewish individual. <laughs> he doesn't say, let's, let's just not have that. Let's just, let's not even talk about gender. No, no. Addressing those things. Greet this Jewish individual. Greet these people. Greet this person that I treat as my mother. Greet this other individual. It, 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 it's fascinating to me that Paul is able to address these things. These people, by who they are, and I think that anybody, any one of us, who has been made to feel like the entire, who we are, the entirety of who we are is loved, has been made to feel seen and completely loved. It is the most incredible experience to be able to do that. Now, it's not on the other person to do that all the time. There's a part of it that's very much a part of us as well, where we're too overprotective and we need to begin to receive the love that is around us. That is for sure. All right, but the first and most important thing I need to say about this before I get to this, to, to this, next, um, uh, this next, what I believe to be um, a practice for moving towards this healing of, of the divide that is in our country right now, is that there's the acceptance uh, of each other. And that is what Paul commands in Romans chapter 15. Notice in chapter 15, if you remember this particular passage, where Paul says in, in verse 7, after he has addressed, this is 14 right to the beginning of 15, he's addressing this issue of the division that existed between the Gentiles and the Jews. And he says this in verse 7 of chapter 15, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. And we might think, well, uh, wait, Paul, um, these people are clearly wrong. And so I want to just love the sinner, but hate the sin in them. I want to just sort of parse that out, make sure we parse that out. And Paul is saying, that is not what Paul is saying at all. Paul is not saying, do this, and you get to judge and separate out those things. In fact, he has just finished saying, could you suspend judgment for now? Because there are times where we have done the best that we can to understand one another, the best that we can to think through things. And at the end of the day, we see very differently. And Paul says, accept the fullness of that person just as Christ accepted the fullness of who you are. Before you even ever accepted Christ, Christ accepted you. That is the gospel message. Anything short of that is not the gospel. Paul has made that amply clear. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Full acceptance. That is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it's up to us to respond to that acceptance, and most of us don't. And that is the truth as well. That there is an acceptance Christ has given. Now it's our turn to respond to that acceptance. 
But this is the message Paul is making, accept one another fully. I accept you. However, this is where it gets really, I can hear your thoughts, some of you. Well, that doesn't mean I, but, but I, what do you mean? Agree with them? No, 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 no. No, that would be a big mistake. That would be acceptance with sort of like, let's just not, let's just go, let's not deal with any of these issues, right? That's the whole thing of like, I don't want to see any of your, any of the stuff that, that bothers me or create a, a conflict here. I don't want to see that in you, right? So keep your politics yourself. Keep your, that's not what Paul is saying. I know, I'm not all. I mean, Paul, after all, he confronts Peter when he sees Peter doing something wrong. He has no problem with confrontation. But what he is saying is acceptance is the acceptance of the person. And this is where we have lost our ability to do this, is to accept the person fully and to love them entirely, even the parts that rub you the wrong way and that you disagree with. Because that is primary. And then agreement in all those other things are secondary. But you hold on to your views. You hold on to your beliefs. That's fine. That is not, that is not at all what Paul is going for. A unified way of thinking. Not at all. But love always, 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 always is primary. Full acceptance. Nothing short of that. Just as Christ has accepted us. Think about the, your own personal transformation. Think about your experience with Christ. Is your experience with love that love first says to you, well, before I love you, let's just make sure that you and I are on the same page. Was that in the Gospels at all anywhere? Anybody? Not even a little bit. It's funny. I've, had this, I've done this with somebody who was, uh, had become very judgmental. And I could feel it. This was some years ago. And we were in the car together and it's just like judging everybody in the car with me. And so I said to this individual, talk to me about when you first had this experience that you felt overwhelming love from Jesus. Talk to, I, I want to hear that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was like, I never felt judged at all. I felt completely loved and accepted by Christ. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him going, and <laughs> does that not translate into the way you think about other people? And it was like, you know, you, you could see the conflict, like, oh, right, right. Love first accepts completely before it begins the process of transformation. And it's the same thing for the body of Jesus Christ. Total and complete acceptance of everything before there's any sense of now we know what to do and how to move forward. I would suggest that love opens your eyes to see better. I would suggest that love helps you to remove the plank in your own eye before you attempt to remove the speck in someone else's. I would suggest that love in action threatens to transform you before it transforms someone else. <laughs> and that's the part that's scary, isn't it? That's the reason why I don't want to talk to some people because I know my mind's going to change. I don't want that. So why am I going to talk to you? I'm going to, I'm, I like my opinions. I like my views just the way they are. Thank you. But your love for me and my love for you could change all of us. It's so, so simple, isn't it? For Paul's command and so difficult. 
And that is the sweet sauce, by the way, friends. That's the sweet sauce. It is so darn simple and so difficult. It's always that. If it's complicated and easy, something else. But if it's difficult, simple and difficult, you know you're on the right path. Oh, right. It is about me calling up love, right? Yeah. So acceptance is embrace. Miroslav Volf is a brilliant, brilliant um, professor at Yale. Had written this massive work that's been referenced by many, 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 many pastors across the world um, on exclusion and embrace. And in his massive work, and he researches all of the stuff from Serbia, Croat war, and he was part of, he was, grew up in that world. And just all of these, all of these studies about how uh, societies attempt to deal with plurality and the mixing of, of ethnicities and religion. And, uh, and he works through them, assimilation and all this other stuff. And eventually he just says the, the final bottom line to it is embrace. It's the full embrace of the other person. It is not tolerance. Tolerance is bogus. Tolerance is like, I like you from a distance. But embrace is I got to have you near me. Ugh. And that means, that means I'm going to have to change in some way. And it's going to be messy and uncomfortable. And yeah, yeah, it will. It will. But that's embrace. Isn't it interesting that Paul finishes his long list of greetings with, and finally, greet one another with a holy kiss. I get to embrace you. I get to kiss you on the cheek. I mean, the, the different ethnicities have figured out, like, you, you, you can do that and still, you know, hate the person. <laughs> you, but for Paul, it's like, no, you can't do that. You, you have to lean into the truth of what you're doing. So I want you to greet each one. I want you to say hello to these people. I want you to reach into the depth of your heart and pull up love back to the surface where it belongs. And when you greet them, I want you to greet them with a holy kiss. Andronicus, come here. Bring it in. Paul says hi. He loves you. He misses you. Ugh. Okay. Maybe I do too. Maybe I'm starting to feel something. And for Paul, this is the way forward. It is the love that we have for one another. And imagine if we could actually do this. Imagine if we could move from just personal growth and development and ideas, and we just learned something because we watched a YouTube video, to social transformation, which means I changed with you because you came into my life and I listened to you and I heard you and now I can't stay the same. And I start to change a little bit and you start to change because of me and I change because of you. And so-and-so changes because he saw the two of us change and she's changing because she 
saw how I related to you and you related to me and heard that story and was moved by that. And suddenly social transformation is starting to take place. It's not just personal salvation, folks. It's social salvation. This is the concept of the New Testament. It's as I change, you change, we change. This is a group effort. And so I want you to think in closing. Imagine someone or a group of people with whom you have a small issue. <laughs> and if you have a small issue with that person and that group, and you can call that up in your imagination right now. See if you can do that. See if you could say to yourself, I want to call up love and treat them as a brother, as a sister, as a mother, as a father. They may not receive it. Doesn't matter. Goal is not about them receiving it. It's good. That'd be great if they did. But if you think of it as just, oh, this is going to change them. And so I'm going to do this. Well, then eventually resentment starts building up because you keep doing that over and over again. And it doesn't change people. Are you with me? Some of you, this is what you do. You just, you're like thinking all the time in terms of how can it help somebody else? But eventually you get upset and you get disillusioned by that. This is about you changing your hearts. So can you imagine in this moment someone or a group of people, a class of people? I don't need to suggest this to you. You know, if you will ask yourself who they are, they will come to mind. And ask them, ask your heart, can you love them? Can you treat them as a brother, as a sister? Can you treat them as a father and a mother? Can you extend grace to them? And can you bring them in and embrace them with a holy kiss? Can you do that? I'm not talking about physically because obviously we can't do that right now, but, um, but you can reach out in love in full acceptance. So would you take a minute 30 seconds, maybe just close your eyes, turn into your heart and do that. I would love for you now to think of someone that is here. Maybe scroll through and see someone's face, someone you may or may not. It doesn't matter. Two, two, two groups of people here, people that you love and are really happy to see. But then maybe someone for whom you might have a small issue. It's someone that you struggle with that because you've had division, you've had disagreement, they've said something that's rubbed you the wrong way. Would you in this moment reach out and you don't have to say, hey, you know what, I really dislike you, but right now I want to just extend love to you. Like that could actually 
backfire. You don't want to do something like that, but just simply reach, maybe message someone privately in the chat just to say, I love you and I accept you. I accept you. I love you. Don't even say, let's even skip the whole part of accepting because that might suggest that you didn't accept them before. Would you extend love? Would you just say, I love you? Thinking about you. I miss you. I care about you. Maybe push past your own feelings of not feeling loved. Maybe right now, maybe you're the one missing love, feeling like I'm not feeling loved right now. And just extend love to someone in private chat. 